how to appreciate a sports announcer. That's what we're talking about here on the Coast Sports Show today. I'm your host, Colin Watkins, and this isn't an exhaustive explanation by any means. But several noteworthy things went down this week, along with an article, a very interesting article I read, and I want to address the topic because sitting in front of our TV, when we see the game played and the announcers making comments, we excessively critique them on every mistake because we think we could do it better. It looks easy. I've learned over the very little time that I've spent announcing football that it's a lot harder than it looks. So first, we're going to take a look at some good announcing, some of my favorite calls over the history of sports announcing that I have been able to listen to, and then hone in on one man's, one man in particular's announcing career. First off, Monday night's football game this week between the newly located Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers we heard something that I just thought was great. Here is Kevin Harlan with the call. Four looks into the nickel of San Francisco in the secondary. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes the blue coat, Kevin. Oh, they got him. Here comes They're coming the blue from the coat. Oh, they tackle him at the 40-yard line. <laughs> So, there is nothing going on in this football game. It's 21-0 in the fourth quarter. Like, nobody's done anything for a long time. Nobody's going to do anything. And out of the blue, this fan gets out on the field. And Harlan goes with it. I love it. He did his job because describing what's happening on the field to the listeners is what you do as a broadcaster, as a play-by-play announcer. And he got something that was totally unexpected in this fan (laughs) running down the field, and he just went with it. He said, you know what? I'm going to do this. And I love it because that's his reaction. He didn't game plan for this, obviously. But he just called it like he saw it. And that is years of experience. Because he did a good job. And yeah, I find it hilarious because he went the whole way, all the way, you know, just like a a football play until they tackled him. But I love it. I thought that was great. Had to share with you guys here today. Props to Kevin Harlan for the call there. Now, Switching gears to the Colts game, which they ended up losing to the Lions on Sunday. 
There were some comments made during that game that absolutely shocked me. Now, after the Colts drafted Phenom quarterback Andrew Luck in 2012, they have surprisingly been noted for putting goals and emphasis on the defensive side of the football. Especially with the arrival of Chuck Pagano from the Baltimore Ravens, where he was defensive coordinator. Well, this past Sunday, the announcer said two things. First, and this is referencing a Colts coach, a Colts coach's comments. First, they said, the Colts want to make defense a staple. Really? Then, the second thing, before we break them down, during the Colts' comeback, when they were starting to rally, and this is sparked from a question from their sideline analysts, asking who the guys thought was the core of the team, they both responded with, and this is a paraphrase, it has to be that man, because the camera was panning on a particular player, and then they said, Frank Gore. What? First off, the Colts have never had a good defense, to go back to the first comments. Even when we won the Super Bowl, we were terrible in the regular season. 32nd ranked against the Rush. It was only thanks to Bob Sanders coming back and igniting a fire in that defense that we were able to flip the switch like has almost never been done before and dominate the run game in the playoffs to make it to that AFC championship game for the ages against the Patriots and then the Super Bowl against the Bears, which after the first quarter, the Colts owned. Look, Manning never had a great defense. It was always the bend-but-don't-break mentality. Let your offense win the game. Just don't lose it on the defense. Well, folks, the Andrew Luck era has not been different. The talent is on the offense. That's where the draft has focused. That's where... Andrew Luck is, and yet the repeated emphasis has been on the defense. And we want to be a running football team. We want to rush the ball. Now, I understand that defense is a big part of a team. And I agree that a defense can win championships. It's not a defense does always. But it is a majority of the time. And when you talk about last season, where the Denver Broncos came out with, let's face it, an aging Peyton Manning that was struggling with injuries and with his throws. The defense got them to the Super Bowl, and the defense won that Super Bowl. And I have not seen in my lifetime a defense as dominant as those guys on the Denver Broncos last season. So I know defense is huge. But we have Andrew Luck here in Indianapolis. Not Frank Gore, Andrew Luck. And that's why the Colts are going to have any success 
Andrew Luck had an incredible rookie season under Bruce Arians, who was interim coach, who let him throw. And two years ago, he set the record for most attempts and completions in the NFL. He was incredible. But most of the time, the Colts are still focused on running the football and trying to play defense. And I do mean trying to play defense. Now, like I said, I know defense is big. I don't disagree with that. And a run game is important. But we've never had those things. Those are not the core to the team. They're not the staples to this team. Andrew Luck, the team captain, is the leader of this team. He is the heart and soul of this team. And it's going to be through his arm that the Colts gain any success. I just had to get that out of my system. Okay, I'll step off my soapbox here momentarily. But one last thing. Let Andrew throw the ball. Not just when we're down 50 points like we were Sunday. It's actually 21 to 3, but still. He is the next Peyton Manning. And he might be better when all is said and done. So let him throw the ball. And make that your staple. Because that's where you're going to get success. Okay. Moving on here. On the Coast Sports Show, where we're talking about announcing in particular, I want to play you guys a call that really is is legendary. In my, it is my all-time favorite football play-by-play and color call. And it dates back all the way to 2006 in the previously mentioned AFC Championship game between the Colts and the Patriots. Here is Bob Lamey and Ted Marchabroda with the call. Second down, goal to go from the two. Dominic Rhodes the long back. 13.36 to go. Plenty of time. Colts at the two and a half yard line to give us to Dominic up on side. Cuts back right down the goal line but didn't get in. Fumbled fumble. fumble the freaking football as it goes down. Friday. <laughs> All right, first, Bob Lamey is a homer. He is. He's a huge Colts fan. But I love it because he knows how to get the home crowd, the home listeners excited. If he's excited, you know something is happening. And when he's frustrated, you know the Colts are struggling. He invokes that anticipation, and that level of engagement so well. And this was a great call because you can hear the frustration coming out of his mouth. Fumbled the frickin' football. That's my favorite line right there. Because he knows that the Colts just gave it away. And you can't do that. But then you get the signal from the referees because it was a pileup near the goal line and the ball came out, but it was very hard to see. 
and this somehow the Colts are able to get on it. So the refs signal touchdown, and he is just taken aback. He say, "Oh, they say touchdown! The Colts got it." And then you gotta love Ted Marchabroda, who sadly passed away this January, eighty-five years old. He says Jeff Friday. Now you know he's been around the Colts forever, and he he knew it was Jeff Day of the Week. He just forgot which one. Uh, and then after Lamy says Saturday, he corrects himself, like, "Oh yeah, 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 Jeff Saturday." <laughs> I love it. Oh, uh, it's one of the best calls out there because it meant so much to the Colts in that game. Absolute game changer that they were able to get that ball into the end zone and not turn it over. But I I bring that up because announcers make mistakes. Announcers have leanings and favorites from time to time, but we're human. It's going to come out sometimes. And you want reality. You want the real thing when you're getting a broadcast because you can see right through fake and it's not entertaining. It's not engaging. It's It turns you off. Now, changing gears just a little bit. I want to take a look at a particular commentator here on the Coast Sports Show where we're discussing announcers how to appreciate them because we we all have our favorites and then we have those guys that we just can't stand and Chris Collinsworth has been the latter to a lot of people for a long time granted I haven't always liked the guy but the more I paid attention to him because I remember one instance in particular where a friend of mine was criticizing Collinsworth And I was starting to think, why? And from that moment on, I really started to listen to what he was saying. Because he's a color commentator who goes alongside Al Michaels on NBC. And the more I listened to this guy, the more I realized how good he was. And how right he was. And how much I liked him. I began to really like him. See, a long time ago, he started out, after he finished up his career, his playing career. And he had to get into the right situation. He had to work for success. It didn't just come to him. But the way he got it initially was by being the Skip Bayless. Yeah, I'm calling you out, Skip. Because what I mean by this is he said everything to get a reaction. And I'm sorry, but Skip Bayless is the worst at this. I can barely stand the guy because I disagree with almost everything he says. And it's not just that I disagree. But he says it just to be that guy. Just to get a rise out of people. And yet he acts like 
that's what he really believes. He really acts like that's what he believes. But it's not. And I cannot respect that. I cannot respect phony. Classic example of Skip being Skip is Robert Griffin versus Andrew Luck in the 2012 draft. He said that he thought RG3, Robert Griffin III, was the quarterback for the future, and Luck was going to peter out. Even with Andrew Luck as the projected next great, Peyton Manning, literally, so many comparisons between Luck and Manning in that offseason. He was the quarterback that we hadn't seen coming out of the draft in 20 years. And by all accounts, all accounts, aside from you, Skip, he was going to be incredible in the NFL. I mean, everybody was saying, this guy has it. He's going to be great. A lot of times, you know, you're like, hmm, maybe, we'll see. He could. This guy, Andrew Luck, was going to be great. And yet, Skip wants a reaction, so he says, RG3. He said the Colts should have drafted RG3. Well, let's just take a peek at how it's turned out four and a half years later. If you follow the NFL, you should know this story. But in case you don't, here's a refresher. Robert Griffin, the third, is injured. He plays for the Cleveland Browns, not the team he got drafted for. Bye. And aside from his rookie season, he has had almost no success. That rookie year, he made the playoffs. But what happened against the Seahawks? He got injured. Because he's a smaller guy and he plays college ball. He runs the football. He can throw too. But he was a running quarterback. And that's why I said he was not going to last. Because he was too small too fragile, even though he's a great athlete. It wasn't the type of quarterback that was going to last in the NFL. He just wasn't that guy. Now, while Luck had injuries last season, thanks to the lack of an offensive line, aside from that, he has had a fantastic career. With three and a half seasons under his belt, He has had playoff success, taking the next step almost every year. All the way up to an AFC championship game. And like everyone thought, including myself, he has lived up to expectations. He is developing into one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And we saw it again Sunday. When he threw for over 350 yards and four touchdowns, no turnovers. That was Andrew Luck from two years ago. Smart, calculating, getting things done and making plays. And where's Griffin? He's injured. He's trying to salvage something out of his career. 
Andrew Luck just signed a contract for over $140 million in the offseason, making him the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. Hmm. So not to say I told you so, Skip, but I told you so. All right, now, all the way back to Chris Collinsworth. That's the guy Chris used to be. That's the mentality he thought that he needed to portray from his networks. And that's what he thought they wanted. But over time, he has changed with experience, with advice, with wisdom. He has let himself come out in the broadcasts. Take this example. Back in the day, he had six seconds to preview a Patriots-Bengals game. This was way back when he was, when he was the lowest guy on the totem pole. And here's what he said. The loser gets the number one draft choice. Back to you, Jim. That's actually good because it's bringing some insight to the football game that otherwise is uninteresting to anyone. Unless you're a Browns Patriots fans, in which case you must be having a terrible season anyway. And so you're still not excited about it. Well, he's grown from that, which I thought was good. And in this article that I read, I want to bring up this quote because he said, referring to an issue with his comments on the league and some happenings a few years ago, he said, because it was controversial, I know the fastest way for me to get a claim is to criticize the league. He said, I can do that tomorrow. I can come out and criticize the league And they're all going to be writing stories about how edgy I am. The problem comes in what happens if you feel the other way. He's learned that he can get a rise out of people. That he can get the spotlight. But he's developed. And he's better than that now. And that's over 25 years of experience. Let's take another moment in his career of broadcasting. The Russell Wilson interception in Super Bowl 49 near the end of the game. Al Michaels makes the call. And Collinsworth pauses. So Michaels keeps on talking. And when asked about it, he said, quote, I thought, what are you going to tell people tomorrow? What would he tell the fan at the airport or the lounge or the gas station? The fan who asked, how could they do that? Well, he decided that hypothetical fan wouldn't want a professor explanation how Brandon Browner jammed curse at the line of scrimmage, at least not off the bat anyway. He'd want stupor outrage, end quote. That's what Chris is talking about. That's what the fans want. Well, let's take a listen. To his call. Right after the interception, right after Michaels breaks it down, here's Chris Collinsworth. They try to pick play Al. They tried to go here, but he beats him to the punch. And I'm sorry, but I can't believe the call. Me neither. I cannot believe the call. You've got Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. 
you've got a guy that's been borderline unstoppable in this part of the field. I can't believe the call. There you go. He starts to break it down, X's and O's. And he, believe me, he has the knowledge to do that. This guy studies game film. But he realized that's not what he wanted. That's not what he was. He let himself come out because that's not what he believed. Just analytically explaining the play with jargon. He knew that the real thing was surprise, stupor, outrage. And that was the real Chris. He's, you, you hear him. He's starting to break it down, and he stops and changes directions. He's like, nope, I can't do it because this is what I saw. And he says he can't believe it. And that's what people remembered. That's what people appreciated. Some true comments that came from the heart. Two weeks later, Chris was at a meeting. Like a player's coach's meeting with some media or something. Pete Carroll was there. And they had the chance to talk because Chris said, all right, I know you want to talk about it. And this was the chance that Pete Carroll had at exoneration. Because Chris is a television personality. And he's got the spotlight. Here's, here's Pete Carroll's chance at explanation. And so he talks with him for a couple of minutes. And then Pete... Then Chris, rather, interrupts him and says, Pete, this is from the article I read. He quotes, Pete, I appreciate it, but I'm never going to agree with that call. End quote. And the reason Chris was able to say that with confidence is because he watches game film. He knows the teams. It takes a lot of study to be a broadcaster. It is difficult, behind-the-scenes work. And Chris watches those games. He studies those teams and those plays and analyzes them. He works at it. And when he's done, he understands them thoroughly. He can even predict them a pretty good deal. And when asked about that play, he said he had one of two things. He thought it was either going to be an off-tackle run by Marshawn Lynch or Russell Wilson was going to keep it. And when he saw Russell stand up in the pocket, he was absolutely shocked. Because the personnel on the field hadn't been able to stop Wilson all day. And that wasn't even the best personnel on the field that was on it on that last play. And yet, Carroll decided to go with the pass. And we were all shocked. Because Marshawn Lynch had one of the best seasons in the red zone. Pretty much unstoppable at the goal line. And here was another opportunity. But they went in the air with a young quarterback that's known for running the ball? 
Well, I think that was a great example of broadcasting. And I point it out because I think Chris is actually a good broadcaster. No, I think he's a great one, actually. The more that I listen to him, the more that I appreciate his insights into the game. Because he can go textbook on you. He can break it down for you in all the terms that football players and coaches use. But he knows how to be human, too, now. And it's taken time. And now he balances himself. I learn more about the game when I listen to Chris Collinsworth. Because he knows how to explain it in a way that is understandable. Without using the jargon. And that's how, you, that's how to be a good announcer. When you can describe what's clearly going on the field, that's play-by-play, and analyze in an understandable way what and why something happened, that's color, then you've reached the status of being a good announcer. We give announcers a hard time. But they're human. You don't have to love them. But do extend some grace. At least most of the time. Because they're going to make mistakes. And sometimes they deserve to be criticized. Critiqued, rather. But it's a lot harder than it looks. And it takes so much work behind the scenes. Let's enjoy it for what it is. Let's appreciate good announcing when we have it. That'll wrap it up for Co's Sports Show today. I'm your host, Colin Watkins. Join me again next time, and have a great week.